Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thursday night, get right. Demetrius Knuckles here. Thomas Freeme. And we are back, man. We are back for another great discussion. Um, we, we've taken a little hiatus. We'll, we'll get into that. But first and foremost, let us say our blessings. Um, I just found out recently that Mr. Jerry Springer passed. And so uh, God bless Jerry on his on his way. You know, Jerry uh, was a was a big influence on my life growing up with with all the the drama and chaos he had going on, you know. But um, (laughs) Jerry was big, was a big influence over America at that time and really exposed a lot of, you know, uh, our lives in the impoverished community, because that was a lot of what he had up on his stage, you know, showing these dramas, whether they were fictitious or not you know there was always speculation that a lot of you know was you know fiction but uh yeah jerry springer passed away so many blessings to him and his family and salute to you on your journey brother and for those uh that are out there inflicted by you know impoverished situations you're, you're struggling to find food comfort warmth um you know many blessings to you guys uh, prayers, you know, help is on the way as much as we can. So, uh, everybody, welcome back to Thursday night. And let me pass over to Mr. Demetrius. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. A long, long time. It's been actually, it's been almost a month and uh, hiatus and, and having a schedule so busy, which again, we'll get into later and uh, talk about some th- upcoming things and some past events we attended or was a part of. But yeah, it's been a long time, man, and uh, and just in the last month, man, it's been a lot of people got killed by the police, a lot of assaults by the police, a lot of uh, a lot of atrocities committed on uh, broken broken communities, man, by the system, not just the police, but by the system. So behind, and you know, you talk about homelessness, and I was just listening to the mayor in a commercial the other day, the mayor of Detroit, talking about yes, we got homelessness and. We're trying to deal with it. Yep, yep, yep. They're trying to deal with it. That's why downtown is so beautiful. And everywhere the homeless, everywhere around the corner, you see the homeless people and they're not doing anything. But that's another subject. So uh, it's great to be back, man. And, uh, and you know, I got to give a shout out to all the organizations that's, yeah, man, they, they fighting through some stuff, man. Don't even have enough money to really fight, but they figuring out a way to fight, man. From uh, Michigan Liberation, Michigan United, uh, uh, Safe and Just Michigan, uh, Nation Outside, Coming Home Coalition, Thomas Freeby Show, The Great Minds Project 5.0, Good Heart Youth, The Great Minds Project, and so many other organizations that are so unfunded and deserving of funds because we talk about the real issues and we, we contact and talk to the real people and not the fictitious people and these fictitious politicians. We want the real. You got the real. Keep listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, with with that being said, you know, shout out to Mr. Andy Daggett, who is on his third day it was Monday, Tuesday. Well, this is his fourth day running across America. This man is running across America in 100 days to beat the fastest known time world record 
Guinness Book of World Records, all in the name of raising awareness for the F8 Foundation, Miss Cynthia Goldberg, which specializes in reentry. This is what she specializes in, is reentry, returning citizens. Um, she has an organization. Her organization is located in both the Boston area and Atlanta area. So uh, shout out to, to Andy, man. He's doing it. He's getting up. This man is getting up every day running dang near 50 miles to, to eclipse this. He's running. So <clears throat> all my criminal justice advocates, let's support Andy, man, because he's doing it for us. This man is doing it to raise awareness for reentry, the returning citizen, and what's going on with all of that. So that that goes kind of into, you know, what, what I want to talk about today, D, is, is people really can't say that help isn't out there anymore, you know? People really can't say that there's not any help out there. And we had a big discussion about that today. Today here in Tampa, in the Hillsborough County area, we had the opioid summit. As you know, Florida was hit extremely hard with during the opioid crisis during 2015, 16, those right. years there. And I was actually incarcerated. I was in the federal institution really before then, 2009, 2010, such. But here in Florida, you had things that were called pill mills. Now, me being inside of the federal institution, I'm seeing individuals come in there on these pills, opioids, things like that. And they would tell me about these pill mills. And they're like, man, these, man, you would have a, 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 a long, you would have a line a mile long that would wrap around the block of people that would just be sitting there waiting for this doctor's office to open up so that they can get their pills, benzos, Percocets, whatever it was that they were getting. And these doctors were just writing countless, countless scripts, right? And this was every day for years. And a lot of, uh, a lot of these uh, clinics that fulfilled these scripts Right. Um, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart. There was a lot of these these businesses that were continuously filling these scripts. Well, now what has happened here in Florida was there was a, a suit that was brought down on all of this and Florida won. Mm. And Florida got something, uh, some crazy number, 300 million, something along that line is, is how much the suit was. And now all of this money is being dispersed. So what's going on now is you have all of these opioid task forces being formed uh, specifically in the Hillsborough, Pasco, Pinellas, and Polk County areas. And today I was at one of these summits, man. I'm sitting down with the sheriff of Hillsborough County. And uh, we shook hands. I talked to him. I introduced myself because, more importantly, we actually have a roundtable discussion with the sheriff and his team next week. So I, I you know, that was my my purpose of going to him is just to, hey, man, I'm I'm Thomas Harrell. I'm a coming home coalition. I'm the one that you're actually having a meeting with next week. And I just wanted to introduce myself today so you could see me. So we talked br briefly. Uh, my man that I want to get you connected to with, you know, Damon and I was there from inktoink.org, 
and his programs of, of Hustle Smarter and the Path to, to Success program. So long story short, at an, the all of these opioid task forces are looking for the programs that we already have in place. These programs are already in place, already ready, just plug and play. And <laughs> and when they're hearing this, like they're up on the stage, you know, we need this and we need that. And we're stepping to them like we have it. It's ready to go. So it was a, it was really a great day, opened a lot of doors of opportunity. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I just can't say that people, people, there's no excuse anymore because help is there. Help is there. People, are, there, there's nonprofits out here that are doing things, and then there are some that are not, you know. But um, this, this is, again, what Demetrius and I are here for with our discussion, his Michigan liberation, what he's got going on up in the state of Michigan is duplicate of what we got going on here in the Hillsborough area. We're actually um, working on connecting links. If people want to donate to help that happen, we, um, we need funds for that so I can get up to Michigan with my team. We can introduce each other. Um, so please feel free to donate for that to make that happen. But that is what is in the works so that we can get Michigan and Florida kind of connected because I'll tell you what, D, and, and you can fill in on this spot right here. We need a CIU here, and this is what I'm working on. We, right. There's none of that down here. So I need to come up there, and y'all need to come down here with yep, what yep. you guys got going on up there. And, and first, let me, let me comment on the, uh, how so many people would say, the lack of resources that's 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 what a great issue that people complain about now i will say this in support of the people who say that but i don't agree with it uh i don't agree uh with the full totality of what they say but i'm gonna tell you something when you have been misused and it's for example you take a woman or a child boy, girl, whatever, who has been molested by a parent, somebody in the family closer, somebody that they always see, right? And then they know that they've been molested all these years of their life. Now they turn 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. They, they might be married. And the people that molested them are no longer doing that to them obviously but they're offering to help them how does that child overcome the trauma that's being reintroduced to them by a people who were supposed to help me in the first place didn't help me and all of a sudden now you're saying you can help me and don't get me wrong and again they could actually have the resources to send this child to college for real, actually have the resources and really have intentions on doing it. Sometimes because they feel bad about what they did to that child. Irrespective of that factor, they have the financial resource to send a child to college. But the child is scared to take the resources because in that child, man, or that grown-up, man, because we're talking about a child who was molested. So when that child turns 30 years old and he's reintroduced to that person that molested them when he was 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, that, 
person returns to that childhood memory. He becomes or she becomes that child again. So now when you come to offer help, I'm that child that you molested. I think that your help is premised on something else. You want something. So now we have a fear. No different than the police. The perfect example is the police. The police will right now, and, and, and I'm going to put this on the floor, July 15th. I want you to really think about what I'm saying. July 15th, I spoke to this recreation center about having an event, big event. Over 200 people going to be there, right? Community event. At second annual community assembly that I'm sponsoring for Michigan Liberation. So yesterday I had an event there. I paid for it. They, I had a big room with some politicians and all that. This gonna be way bigger. So someone who plugged me in with the manager at the recreation center said, the recreation center guy wanna talk to you. I said, okay. He said he has a problem with you saying you don't want the police involved in your event. I said, I don't want the police involved in my event. Amen. He said, she said, well, the police are is having an event that day where they call uh, something about peace something for the children. Yeah, but see, now and it took me back into the mind of a child because I can remember when I was a child getting indoctrinated. And then next thing you know, they see me a few years later, I done stole something, did something, they beat the hell out of me. Next thing you know, I my name coming up, I'm selling drugs, they done framed me with murder. So I talked to the director, got a manager. And I told him exactly what was on my mind. I'm like, look, do the Democrats invite the Republicans? Literally invite the Republicans to their after parties. Why don't they? Because it'd be friction. So therefore, I can like you as a police officer. I don't like the system that you work for, but I can like you because it's a lot of great police officers, not good, great police officers. And I can like you. And I could invite you to my picnic, right? But if you come with three, two, three other officers that I don't know or I don't like or someone around me has a bad history with, I'm telling you, you can't come. So I tell the manager that. He said, I get what you're saying, but and as soon as he said, but, I said, I said, look here. I said, the one thing about the organization I work with is we love people. We love the community. We represent the community wholeheartedly. We fight to end mass incarceration. The system of police corruption fight to extend mass incarceration. We don't want to bump heads. We don't want no friction because we want things to go peacefully. And I said, an officer come to our event and cause trouble, we can assure you that he won't have a job tomorrow because we're going to complain on the front steps of the mayor all the way down. So it's best for them not to be there. We have our own security. And that's why where it landed. Why can't the officers come in plain clothes? Why can't they come as just part of the community? See, why why is it that officers always have to show force in uniform? Why is right. the, why is it never an option for for why why isn't the chief just telling, hey, you guys want to go? Just listen, just go as the community. Go in yeah. your off hours. Go support them and hear what they got to say without showing your presence of the uniform. That's all they had to do because, you know, it's like it's like when I do security downtown Detroit, 
you have a police. We don't let nobody in with guns, right? You have a police walk up in plain clothes or whatever. He got his gun. I say, you can't come in with your gun. He like, I'm a police. I said, we don't let police in with their gun. Are you on official duty? He said, no, I'm about to go in here and buy something. I said, that, that means you're a customer. That means we pat down customers and customers can't come in with a gun. Simple. Now, you can't come in here and drink because you ain't supposed to drink on duty. We literally had these conversations regularly with these police, right? Because they feel entitled. They feel like they intimidate people enough that we just going to let them back. We mm. don't do that. So, you know, it's, it's amazing that that's an idea that came across my mind last year when I was having an event at, at one of my offices. Uh, we said, why can't the police just come in plain clothes? So don't nobody know who they are. And why can't they never speak about the fact that they the police? If something should happen, then they respond. But we can assure them at our events, nothing happens. So they will never have to reveal themselves. They can partake in community events with us and everything. But soon as you come with that blue on, with that badge on, that represents a psychological trauma to us that we don't want no part of. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no other purpose for it than that. You know what I mean? There's no other purpose because, again, every officer, when they... The, they know that when they put this uniform on, it represents something, right? Right. It has that that stitching has its own power, just like a rifle does, right? Yep. You can take those clothes off and lean it up against the wall, and that person who took those clothes off does not have that power anymore, right? That's he can't right. go out in the public and tell people to get up against the wall or to get out of their car or anything of that nature. He has to have that uniform on. Right. right? So this is, this is what I mean when I say there are no good cops. It has nothing to do like with what you said about the individual human being themselves. It's what that human being transforms into when, when, that, when they picks up that rifle. You see what I'm saying? When, when, he, when he equips that rifle. So... But man, you said a lot of power though, partner. You said a lot of power in what you said. And ah, I can't remember what it was. I lost I lost my note on, on what it was that you said, but the Republic the, De the Democrats are not inviting Republicans to their after party of a win, of a lose, of a whatever. But listen here, let me let me say something else that I was because I was speaking to a, a city council member yesterday. And uh I said I said this to her, to him rather. And uh and I really meant this the way that I said it, because I stand by it, I stand on it, and I stand with it. And the people that I deal with, that's what we represent. Now, we're not gonna waste our hate. We're not gonna, it's like shoot, we don't have no time to <clears throat> waste bullets. The bullets, our intellect. Our fight, our strength, that's our bullets. We don't have time to waste bullets on undeserving people. Mm -hmm. So I don't have time to be hating the police because we're trying to figure out ways to overcome the system. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to fight them. Mm -hmm. We know that the system is set up to do exactly what it's doing. That's what it's set up to do. Mm -hmm. If we think differently, we have to be illiterate. Right? So the system is set up to Harass, degrade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just like, for example, the police chief in Westland, Michigan, right here. 
they found video of him, and I'm going to tell you a caveat after this. They found video of him 25 years ago of his people recording him. This was his partners. He was a regular police, and they were humiliating people. They had one female pull down her pants. You know, if she don't want to be arrested, you got to do this. They had one guy hopping like a bunny rabbit down the street, and they videoed a lot of situations, right? So they called up his resignation a few uh, uh, last week. He said, he admitted, he said, in my days, I'm sure I did some stupid stuff, but I never want my officers, because he's a sergeant, not a captain or something, never want my officers to be like I was back then. They never confirmed that that was him in the video, even though it looked just like him. Hmm. That's like that's like Donald Trump sign, trying to say somebody ain't him. Mm-hmm. Come on, you hard to miss. So today he resigned, right? Now, this is where I'm at with the issue. To be honest, this is where I'm at with the issue. April is second chance month. This man engaged in things as a young officer that probably 90% of the officers engage in, right? 25 years ago, right? I believe that people can change because what I would do is I would look at his record since then. If it's any humiliation in his record, public humiliation of, of, uh, of detainees in his record after during the time that he grew up, now I'm going to say, no, you out of there, man. But I believe in second chances. And the second chances don't discriminate when it comes to police, when it comes to anyone. It's like when we was talking about the, uh, you know, we know rapists are the most appalling prison, uh, people to go to prison. Yeah. And science shows that, science shows that rapists really never overcome that urge, right? Mm-hmm. That's what science said. But as a human being, as a human being, I believe that when you have faith in something, you can overcome anything, right? You can overcome anything. Will I let you watch my children? No. (laughs) I still won't do that because you have that stigma. But I believe that people change. And so when I brought up the the captain, I brought up that with the caveat to say that uh, I don't necessarily put it this way. I'm not putting my signature on a piece of paper and say, I, I agree that he's probably changed his life. No. Because they're not putting their signature on our, on our life saying that I believe that this is a good guy. He wouldn't engage in nothing like that. No. Right. <clears throat> and where I stand at, I'm going to state my opinion, but I'm going to stand where I stand at. You get you get what you deserve because this is public opinion on you right now. I'm just one person. Right. So, you know. And, and, and what you were saying earlier came back to me that was so powerful and, and it never really reflected on me in, in that fashion, man, is is the 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 trauma that one would face in having to take, a, let's say, just a government program, one of these programs where where an individual who has had their legs bitten off, their arms bitten off by these government entities, yeah. and now saying, you know, you got this government entity saying, no, no, it's okay, honestly, no, forget about all we, we were just playing. But, but we got you this time. We got you. And and what's so powerful about that, homeboy, is is I was at a I was invited to a to a round table discussion the other night. This happened to be at a at a Muslim mosque. This was a, a Muslim 
preacher. Uh, forgive me for not for not having the correct enunciation, we but have ministers. Huh? We have ministers. So okay. So the this gentleman was putting together a roundtable discussion about again the opioid crisis in our community and such and at this discussion was a, a department of corrections probation officer and they're coming with their program that they have right and it's called uh save us i believe was the acronym and she broke down and how wonderful all of this was, and and my comment at the end s- simply was uh, because you know everybody knew that I was a returning citizen at that point, and how I felt about it. But essentially, you know, the lion cannot teach me how to be docile. Oh man! Right. So right. that goes into what it is that you're saying. I could never trust a government entity to try to teach me how to be better when I know that that government entity feeds itself off my bad behavior. It does not make sense. How are you going to teach me how to be better when your whole career is based (laughs) upon me being bad? Right. You're not going to teach me out of a job. You know? Wow. That's some powerful stuff, man, because I literally, those are the, I told this, uh, I told the, the manager of the recreation center yesterday when I was talking to him, I gave him an example. I said, the police want, you know, they don't want us to hold the stance that we hold because they didn't burnt the bridges in these neighborhoods. So they think that it's our job to rebuild the bridges that they burnt. I said, that's their job to rebuild the bridges with the community. Not our job. So we stand where we stand at because we were part of the people that they burned and burning the bridges. And you can't you can't tell us about circumscribe or measure our trauma. You cannot do that. And if you are to say that we can't have our event this day because the police is having their event, that's what you're doing. You're telling us our trauma don't matter. Because the police want this space for no, you can tell the police y'all over there, these people over here, and we'll still come do what we do. You know what I'm saying, but right now I'm, I'm contemplating other places that I'm going to look at to see if I can find another place to uh, outside places. It'll be July 15th to have our community event because I'm kind of uh, and we don't need that friction, man. I have a video mm-hmm. that I was telling him about. I have a video of the little boy, 11 years old, was he 11, 11 years old, he was riding a four-wheeler, right down the street, literally, two, one minute away from where, where I was at yesterday, the recreation center. He ride down the street, I think this happened last year, and the police chasing him, 11-year-old boy on a four-wheeler, look 11, everything, they tase him while he's riding, riding away, tase him. Now, what do you think gonna happen if you tase somebody actively driving a, mo- a motorcycle, moped, whatever? So he killed himself, right? I have one of the officers right here, right here. I Oh, my phone, can't see my phone. But I have an officer right here. He said, all the police turned off their video. All of them turned off their video, except one police. She kept her video on. So she went to talking to the uh, big black officer. She like, 
he was just a baby. The officer was like, no, he wasn't. He was old enough to do what he was doing. That's what happened. She said, but he was only 13. I think 13. He was only 13. That officer said, hey, he got what he deserved. He wanted to play. That's what happened. The FBI say this here. I mean, the state police say this here. On tape. Uh, uh, mess with the state police, you get effed up. So now let's put that in perspective. These ain't words that we said. They said, I have this, I have their lips saying this stuff on this phone. But yet you want these people, the police that patrol this neighborhood to be a part of anything that I am about in this neighborhood. No, because that brought trauma back to me. I'm just fortunate that they didn't kill me. But I've been a victim of that type of stuff so many times, maybe not with a taser, but with the what they call when you hit the tail end of the car, spin the car around. Yeah. Pit pit maneuver. Pit pit maneuver. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, man. Well, I mean, that's kind of reminiscent to them cops out there. What what, what was that? Uh, North Carolina? The ones that were just fired talking about, you know, uh, hanging people and putting a bullet in the in the lady's head and. Yeah. And then they want to yeah. blame it on the, the, the stress of the environment, the stress of the job. And and you know what? I get that. I yeah, understand we, that. I do. I get and understand exactly what that cop is saying about having to go into these impoverished neighborhoods over and over and over again and seeing these knuckleheads, seeing what they're doing, the murder, the mayhem. I get that, Mr. Officer. Well, guess what? We live in that shit. So how that shit is, uh, affects you is how it affects us. But yet, when you're pulling us out of the car, you don't have that same empathy that you now want because you got caught. You see what I'm saying? And now, and 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 furthermore, what you just spoke on, how is there not a bill in legislation right now that these cops cannot turn off their camera because you got... You got a female officer, man. Praise to her for keeping her camera on, first right. and foremost. First and foremost. And this is what I'm urging. You want me to say that you're a good cop? You want me to go out into the community and say that there are good cops? You have to show me this. You have right. to show me when you're in the face of wrong that you're willing to do right. Right? So many praise and blessings to that female officer for doing what she did and exposing the fact that they should not have the capabilities to shut their camera. Why, 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 why do they even have the camera on to begin with then? That makes no sense. That's a waste it of money. Should, it should be that their cameras do not cut off. How about that? A camera that don't cut off. Once it's turned on, doing that, when they, when, they, when they come in and they put their suit on, at the, they check in, it's time card, the camera cuts on automatically. And it doesn't cut off until your time clock, until you punch your time clock out. How about that? Mm. And then we can see a lot of stuff that they say. You know what I'm saying? And and we know they're they're raised privilege, that it's confidential conversations. We already know that. I mean, that's that's what they supposed to do. They supposed to make up stories. But at the end of the day, man, it's uh it's important that we begin to really mobilize around issues because these are human rights issues. These are these are not people keep saying civil rights and civil rights. Once you have done a collective body of people this way, it becomes a human right issue. See, it's mm -hmm. a civil right issue if you just 
if this is an isolated incident, you know what I'm saying? You do this isolated incident, this ain't your history, this ain't, you don't have a pattern of this behavior. But when you're talking about you have done this over years and years, you're talking about human rights violations. Mm-hmm. And they need to be brought up on hum- human rights violations and not just some civil rights violation or some, like the girl, uh, I forgot, Potter, who just got mm-hmm. out. She Kim Potter. Kim Potter. She served two years because she said she thought it was a taser. Okay. Didn't even serve that. I think she served like 16 months or 13 yeah. months or something like that on the two years. She was, she was, she, at one point, they, they held her up and she was a great officer, this, this, that. Okay. So this great officer didn't know the difference between the weight, the difference, the size of, of, a, of the gun from a taser. Come on, man. And she well, just gave okay. Her See, uh, that, that, that's why these people don't want me in the room, D. Okay, great. You didn't know the difference between who and who trained you? Where's he at? Bring him into the room. Sit down. This officer's sitting here saying that she didn't know the difference between her taser and her her cop-issued weapon. (laughs) Can you explain why she did not know the difference? Because that sounds like a training. That's how I like to handle shit. Yeah. That's how we handle stuff in prison. Right? Oh, hey, you say that? Okay, let me go, let me go get Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy, come here. Come here. Oh, yeah, that's what we do. Chris over here saying that you stole his stuff. Is that true? Right? Well, that's how we handle. That's how you get to the bottom of things. But see, they don't handle that politically because why? Man, because they're all corrupt. That's how they do, man. And and that's why I stand where I stand at. That's why I spoke to that recreation manager the way I spoke to him. Because, and I honestly, I left with this thought here, man. I honestly left with this thought. I said, I hope that he doesn't discriminate based on my opinion and my stance against allowing the police to participate in our event. Because if he do, oh, he might not have his job too long. Because we're going to march in front of that place. We're going to ask for that place to be shut down or he be fired. And I would hate to see him fired because he he got a lot of family that work there too. But if that's the stance you're going to take, we want you to stand on that. Amen. Because we're going to definitely make sure that you stand up and hold true to what you say. Amen. And that's and that's what I like to do. I like to just put it back on them. Right. Just put it back on them, flip the script and make it because that's what they do to us. Right. They, They make it seem like, yeah, we'll help you out. But they make that help so impossible to achieve that it's not even worth trying. So I, I do the same to them. Yeah, you want your officers involved? No problem. We just want a low-impact, non-toxic environment. And them showing up in their uniforms is going to create that type of environment. So have them come off duty. Have them come plain clothes. Have them intermingle with the crowd so the crowd don't even know that they're cops. And maybe the crowd will learn who they are as a human being. You know what I mean? Have them do that. They're more than welcome. None of them will show up. No, no weapons. There's no weapons now. They're not gonna come. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why they? Ain't well, as soon as, as, as plain clothes is fine, but when you tell them no weapons, no, 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 no. No, they ain't going nowhere without that sidearm because they know deep down they know that they are an entity who is not liked very much. Right. And you get a person who not even known as an officer. But you tell him he can't come into this uh, space with this gun. First thing he thinking about is, man, what if somebody 
What if somebody make me out as the cop? Then what? You know, they don't look at because guess what? Now, for them to even have such a thought, why should they be mad when we have such a thought when we mm. run when they pull up? Because we don't know. So But uh, see, this this yeah. goes into what um a lot of my discussion, right? When when I sit here and I say that the police culture in America is one of compliancy, right? You, you must comply or you will die. Yes. What that means is when people sit here and tell me, D, oh, I've never had no interactions with the police. I've lived a life, never had no interactions with the police. Anybody can do it. What that's called is a compliant mindset. And not everybody has that compliant mindset. That compliant mindset is what allows you to, to subdue yourself in the face of what you know is being wrong to you because you want to go home to your family. You want to go to work tomorrow. You still want to comply with other facets of your life, and you don't want to jeopardize what's going on here, right? So you comply. Not everybody has that compliant mindset. So it's, it's understanding that they are trying to eradicate the alpha male by incarcerating them, killing them. The free thinker, that's what the alpha male is. The alpha male isn't what Hollywood shows you. This big guy who rips his shirt off, clubs women, swings cavemen type. The alpha male is just a free thinker. Somebody who thinks for himself is a leader, is not worried about what the next person thinks, does, says, or speaks, and, and just goes about what they see for themselves. And this is what they try to eradicate. Because the free thinker uses logic, right? And, and when you apply logic to a lot of what's going on in America, a lot of shit don't make sense, right? <laughs> right? So the free thinker is going to speak out against that, which is why they incarcerate them, beat them, or try to publicly shame them so that nobody even listens to what they have to say until you have a land of compliant people. This is what the police is. This is why when you do not comply, they will keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you either do comply or right. eventually are going to be subdued unconsciously or killed. Because at some point in between those two, you're going to end up complying. You're going to be tired of having your arm twisted behind your back or being maced in your face. And eventually you're going to comply. This is what we have in America. So it's understanding that is the police culture. Now, going back to the, to the good cop that's putting that, that uniform on, we're at a time and place that you have to ask yourself, is that what you want to be part of, right? Because that individual himself has been indoctrinated. He has been trained that he is the hero at all costs, no matter what he does. And the more atrocity he applies to his community, the more heroic he will be looked upon, the more medals he will get. Ain't that something? And, and, and that's, it just, it just really resonates with me so much, man, because in so many cases that we know of, and many that we don't even know of, these officers that engage in atrocities against the citizen, they are allowed to resign at this office. I mean, at this office, not get fired, resign. Because mm -hmm. now they can go to another police station and work. So this is why they always quit, resign, 
before the investigation uh, uh, is uh, uh, complete. Because if they get terminated now and another police station hired them and something happened, now that police station becomes liable for whatever that bad cop went over there and did. So, like, uh, one, one female, I was just reading something, and they killed her son. And, and she said she wants the officer fired so he does not show up at another police station. And that's, and, and, and what we're really saying is that the police department and the government allows it to be a badge of honor for them to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. You're, about, you're probably about to get a raise. You're going to be the chief of police soon or, or because you have to ask yourself how many people, how many violent situations have these chief of police been involved in that they could always side with the police and it, whatever the video is saying, they still say, I side with my officers. It may look gruesome, but it's more facts to it. How is it more facts of if we show frame for frame for frame for frame, you seeing the same thing I'm seeing. There should never be a question, never be an investigation. We understand that they have to do an investigation. But if the video showed me shooting somebody, they arresting me right on the spot without a warrant because they're going to say they don't need a warrant because they got the evidence. They're going to send me to arraignment, preliminary examination and trial. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find me guilty because they're going to show that tape and say it's him right there. Look at him. Same nose, same eyes, same voice, same bill. He even said his name in there. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, he can't get around it. It's him. And that's all we say. But instead of them saying it's him, they got this long, drawn-out investigation. They don't want to name the cop. Uh, then they don't want to charge the cop. You got to put pressure on the public public prosecutors that charge the cop. And then they don't want to charge him with a serious offense. But yet, if he could say his life was in danger, that's why he killed. Why can't I say my life was in danger? That's why I killed. Y'all call it premeditation when we do it. Mm-hmm. And, it and going back to what you said, we live in these neighborhoods every day. So we constantly under fear and trauma and traumatized by the event. When we see a tree, we in the dark and we see shadows on the ground, we looking. If you got a gun, you pulling your gun out. It might not be but a tree branch doing like this. We don't know. We or don't just simply just simply pumping gas. See what I'm saying? You have to, you have to, when you're in these impoverished neighborhoods, you have to like strategize just pumping gas. You have to look around. You have to see who's around. Is this a safe gas station? Is it not? Is there a corner? Is there a, I mean, because people are jumping out of vans and attacking you from the next pump over. This is what's going on in these neighborhoods. Right. And these cops are traumatized because they got to go in here and work. I mean, come on, man. That's you're getting paid to be in there. Yeah. We're just trying to survive. You see what I'm saying? But there's no thought process into that. All the police want is the empathy for what they have to endure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and hey, man, I see this is the type of stuff that I talk about on all of my videos and and again, I don't talk about this stuff to uh, to try to cause any type of anyone to feel some ill toward them. Yeah, I no animosity. Yeah, I talk about this stuff because I want people to be awake, and I want us to know that whenever we're ready, 
we can take our power back and make sure those type of officers don't even be on the force because we can make sure that that chief don't be on the force by making sure the mayor don't be on the force. If this is the type of individual that the mayor likes, then we don't like the mayor. Simple. So Amen. we have the power if we would just vote. We have the power to dictate what type of officers will police our neighborhoods. We want officers that are truly approachable, truly hospitable, truly conflict resolutionist, truly nonviolent, truly understanding, truly sympathetic, and truly understand where they came from uh, when they're dealing with these, this type of environment to understand that I do security. If I could, if I could talk a guy down doing security, I'm not trained like the officer. If I could talk a guy down from shooting and like he was threatening me, I could do this without any violence, without raising my voice. How can't they do it and they're being paid thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year? Well, that's that's the key though, D, is you got an officer, right? <clears throat> okay, let's break this down. So you got two officers. Let's say let's say you got a domestic dispute at your house, somebody calls the police. You got two officers, male and a female, that is coming to your house. Each one of these are paid $50,000 each. They're driving a car that is outrigged, probably worth a quarter million dollars is each one of these vehicles. I don't know how much these vehicles, but man, they got to be somewhere around that with all the electronics and all of the equipment that they have in these, in these vehicles, right? Just to come out to somebody's house because they called 911. You got gas, you got all of this stuff, right? This is this is my this is why I say they don't want cops intermingling with the community or or building that relationship because when that man and woman shows up to Demetrius' house, right? If there's a relationship there, they know Demetrius. They they have coffee with Demetrius, they see Demetrius, they shake hands, they talk all the time. All right. Guess what? There's a high probability nobody's going to jail. And we can't have that because we spent so much money on sending those people out there. We have to make that money back. We make that money back by arresting people and taking yep. them to jail, fining them, court costs, attorneys, all of this stuff. Again, this is why it goes back to the culture. What is our police culture really about? Is it really about community ties or is it really about comply or die? Comply or die. Mm, mm, mm. I think it's about comply or die because if it wasn't about comply or die, when you had this little boy, for example, I did. I, I, I posted this on one of my uh, posts. Little boy. He was uh, 16 years old, 15 years old. They was look they they some uh local police, they wasn't even police, they was like park ranger police. They discovered somebody sleeping in the car. Come to find out the car stolen. So they come behind the car and they talking to well they federal police because they part of the park program. And these police told these two police, do not get caught in that car, right? In other words, don't get in the car, don't get caught in that car. These police snuck to the car, opened the door of the car, jumped in the car. The little boy jumped up, sped off. One police was able to jump out before he sped off. The other one couldn't get out. 
<laughs> so what the police did, the one that was stuck in the car, he kept telling the little boy, stop, stop, stop. Now, don't get me wrong. This is where I deviate in my opinion that because now the officer's life is in danger because the little boy speeding in the car. Mm. I agree. Officer's life is in danger. The officer shoots the little boy because he won't stop. Shoots him three, four times, right, in the back. Now, I agree with that part of it. If I just seen that part of it, but when you say you was asked not to get in the car in the first place, uh, second of all, because they was asked not to get in the car. Second of all, how hard could it have been for y'all to do that uh, maneuver to where you just block in the car mm-hmm. so the car don't move? Tap on the window and say you're under arrest. That's why I don't agree with what the police did. Because I would think my life is in danger too if you driving a car, I'm in the back seat, and you ain't stopping, you speeding off. I'm going to try. I got to save my own life. Mm-hmm. If, even if that means taking your life. But that came after the fact. What came before that is that you never follow protocol. You could have just blocked in that car and saved his life. But you didn't. And therefore, your actions are now criminal. Your actions are now criminal. So I guess we can end on that. I, we can end on on I, I, I I'm a firm believer in, in comply or die as well. And I and I'm a firm believer in that, you know, as as well as as the video. I believe I shared that with you on TikTok where it showed the old granny woman, the old granny woman where. The officer pulled her over because she was driving without paying her registration. She has not updated her registration to her vehicle for six months. So the officer pulled her over. She was upset with the officer, right? She was she was highly upset with the officer, telling the officer she's not going to sign for the ticket. She's not going to pay the ticket. She don't feel that she should get a ticket, that she should get a warning. Officer said, "You've been you've been riding around like this for six months, lady. I can't give you a warning. I agree with all of this, right? Again, I agree with all of this. The woman became very hostile, would not sign the thing. Then the officer said, "Okay, well, step on out of the vehicle because now you're going to jail. Now you're being arrested." She said, "For what?" He said, "For not complying. All you had to do was sign the ticket." Now, again, this is a hostile situation. They're yelling at each other. She's yelling at him. Fine. Give me the stupid thing. I'll sign it. This was a decision in this cop's moment. Do I be a cop or am I an enforcer? Right. And he made the choice of enforcer. And he told her, no, it's past that point now. So what ended up happening after that was the woman got scared. She felt cornered. She knew that she was going to jail. She, she couldn't go to jail. Her senses started coming to her about the escalation of the situation. She panicked and she sped off. The cop had to run back to his car, jump in his car, run her down. The end result was he, was, he had to drag this woman out of her truck and tase her. Until she complied. All of that 
All of that. And, and mind you, I guarantee that woman was charged for fleeing and eluding, for resisting arrest. She was charged for all of this that could have been avoided if that cop simply would have said, OK, here you go. Sign the ticket. That woman would have signed the ticket and left. Furthermore, that cop did not have to chase her. He had her information. She, where are you running to? You're taking off. Okay. Bye. We'll see you later. We'll be there in a little bit. Pick you up. Don't worry about it. Go home. Vent to your husband. Chill out. We'll be there to take you on in, Marjorie. But no, you did not comply. And I will hunt you down and kill you until you comply. So to, for me, it's, it's comply or die, partner. Mm, mm, mm. That's a nice term to describe. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and make some t-shirts and cubs and all that. Comply or die. I'm going to find me a little pictorial to put on it and I'm going to start pushing that, man. Comply or die. That's the message. That's, that's our police culture. Comply or die. Prove me wrong. I got, I got a whole t-shirt press and everything else in my basement. All the, all the stuff that go on the T-shirts, everything. I made T-shirts for my organization. Well, well, dang, man. Well, all I got to do is send you the PDF then. I'll make it. I'll go in and make it, send you the PDF. You print them out. We'll split them. I put it in my computer, man. And uh, But not just that, man, on anything, man. Uh, because at the end of the day, we have to start figuring out ways to uh, finance what we're trying to do, you know. Because other people take, acknowledge people who fight for themselves. You know, lawyers, they fight harder when they see you willing to fight for yourself. Mm-hmm. Possibly because they know that if you fight for yourself, you're going to see their flaws. So they try to tighten up and sharpen themselves up. Either way, people fight for people that fight for themselves. And we have to start, uh, we have to start taking part in those type of things of trying to generate something on our own because it's a reason why I bought this stuff, man. I'd have had this stuff for two and a half years now. I made a lot of shirts. We sold some. But for the most part, I haven't used this in over a year. And I just told myself I was setting up my table in the basement today. I said, I got to get back to this. And I got the, the button press to make buttons with. Mm-hmm. I got that. So... You know, it's, it's it's funny you say that, man. You know, I had I had a friend come in here yesterday. Man, God bless her soul, uh, Miss Julia Paul. She's actually the president of the NAACP out here in Pasco County. Very good friend of mine. We're working together on a lot of things, but her 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 uh, organization is the End Recidivism Project. But she came in here yesterday, man. Saw my office for the first time. D, listen to this, man. I've had my online store and my merchandise for about two years, right? Now, aside from my parents, right? Whenever I talk about no support, I always leave my parents out of this because they're my parents. You know, they do what they do. Right. Not one of my family members has purchased one item from my store. This woman, who don't even know me, came in yesterday, heard that I had a store. We sat here and made a shirt for her and her husband, pants for her, and some slides, some chunklets for her and her husband, and she bought them on the spot. 
And, and not one of my family members has done that. Now, I've had family members come to me when I tell them, man, I got an online store, man. Go check me out. Help support. Oh, you do? Oh, I want to do something like that. Can you help me set mine up? Can you do this for me? Can you, I want a podcast. Can you help me? <laughs> Hasn't liked one of my shows. Won't sit through it. Won't share it. Well, so, I, that, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. We have to do better. We sit here around and we could sit here and, and say F the police all that we want. And we could say F the government. And we could sit here and say all that we want, that there's no programs and there's no help. But like you said, power in what you said, man, that's why I, I mess with you, D. Because you you drop jewels, partner. I try, man. Nobody will help you until you help yourself. So. That's how I got to where I'm at because I stopped feeling sorry for myself and stopped making excuses for myself and said, you know what? Damn, everybody. Let If I want to get something done, let me do it. And as soon as I started picking myself up and started doing myself, man, the doors busted open for help. So when we sit there and we say that help is out there, if, if you're not receiving none of that help, then start with yourself, like Dee said, because we see that you ain't doing shit. And we're busy. <laughs> right, we're been. Right. I'm like, man, that person ain't gonna do nothing but slow me down. They don't want no help. They ain't doing nothing. That's how I be, man. I hate to do it, but I gotta keep it moving. Gotta man. keep it pushing, man. People are starving. They're hurting. They're being punished. They need our help, man. I don't have time for no. What do they call them? Back in the um, Back to the Future. No slackers. No slackers. We ain't got time for that, man. See, man. Great talking to you, man. I'm glad to have you back. I pray that you get better, man. Go go rest yourself, man. I am. Get you some food and right. energy. Check out that last post I just put up on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube, TikTok. Check out that. Absolutely. Right. I, I, I want to get it set up so we can pull that stuff up here. Right. You know? Right. Pull that stuff up and talk about it. Pull these videos up that we're talking about so that people can see. For the listener, we're working on trying to be better for the audio side. Um, I'd like to give sh shouts out to 88.5 Community Talk Radio here in Hillsborough County that is going to start live streaming our show. And for everybody else, man, that, that listens to us, our spot, you know, the Spotify has grown tremendously. Shout out to England. England's moving up. Um, we, have, we have England. We have Australia. Of course, the USA um germany and singapore is some of our biggest listeners ain't that something and so you know we got to give honors to all of them because without you know that type of ear those type of listeners you know because when you have some people that's foreign to you doesn't live in your culture doesn't live in your state doesn't live in your city or your county or your neighborhood and they still willing to give you a chance and listen to you you got to pay homage to them man even if they critique your stuff the fact that they took the time out to listen to it is what means so much amen that's why we do it so with that we leave out many blessings we love you guys stay tuned next week thursday night we'll be back and till then, just continue to be your best self. Go out into the community. Meet people. Turn off your TVs. Stop listening to the news. Stop being fearful. Get out and just meet people. Shake hands. Say hello. You know? And get to know one another. And, and just create unity in our community. 
stop acting or treating like treating your neighbor like your enemy. Sometimes your neighbor can just be as just as hesitant to talk to you as you are to talk to them. Sometimes he just take a small word of encouragement, a good morning, a how you doing, good afternoon, that can open the door to a treasure trove of knowledge and friendship. Remember that, keep that in mind, and you all have a blessed rest of your day. Absolutely. You can find your best friend for life with a simple hello. Y'all take care. We love you. We out. Peace.